Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spectrum Talk. My name is Ruby Jones, and I'm here today with actor, producer, writer, and co-founder of Black Man Films, Roderick Lawrence. Roderick debuted in Philadelphia in Philadelphia's Academy of Music as Simba in Disney's The Lion King. He's the 2022 Bronze Lens Film Festival Best Actor recipient, and he recently starred in the short film, Speak Up, Brother. Now he's making waves with his portrayal as Ike Turner in the Tina Turner musical, which is playing at the Buell Theater in Denver from October 18th through 29th. He's here with me today to discuss the Tina Turner musical and tell me all about his role as Ike. Thank you so much for joining me today, Roderick. For having me. Sure, of course. Now let's jump right in. How true is the Tina musical to Tina Turner's life story? Um, very true. Tina, the Tina musical is, from my understanding, the only, uh, you know, biopic that Tina was involved in. You know, so um, as far as her life goes, and uh, the happenings in and around her life, they they're very true. Like as she co-signed on everything that that happens and had some input into the show. Just a side note, since you're playing Ike, was Ike Turner's input involved at all in the making of this production? No, it was not. <laughs> I wouldn't think so, but I forget I'd ask. <laughs> now, uh, with Tina Turner's very sad um, recent passing, has the production taken on new meaning to you, to the cast, and to the audience? Definitely meaning-wise. I think meaning-wise, it's, it's, you know, not new meaning, because it's, it's always had the weight that it's had, um, but... You know, I think that being here, you know, being chosen to be here, like at this time, like in this, at this point is like a, a divine, like blessing, you know, it's a, a, a endowed upon like honor that we get to be the ones to tell her story, to, to keep the story going. And um, yeah, to, to happen to be here at the same space is just like, like, you know, a divine timing blessing in a, in a strange way. So we all feel very, um, you know, honored, but like we feel the weight and like, um, I can't think of the word. We, 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 you know, we, we feel, we feel like what it is to carry the whole story. You know, we are the only people who are allowed to tell the story and, and, and she did have input in it and it is a triumphant like legacy, you know, it's a beautiful legacy. So it's cool. It's just a blessing that we get to be here. But I think that like, because she had the input in it and because we were telling the story in the way that we were supposed to tell the story before, like the honor in it is to like not change it, you know, not change it because of, of you feel the weight of the passing or you feel like, oh, we got to do this, you know, we got to do this other thing. No, no, we we, uh, we stayed true to the authenticity of the story and the characters and her life and her legacy. And um, and yeah, just, just bask in the, the blessing of being able to be the people to continue the story during that time. It sounds like an amazing opportunity. Um, how did you come across the role? Um, I came across the role in the musical by, you know, audition uh, in the same way that we normally do. Maybe like my first Tina audition was a few years ago. It was a few years ago. Um, and 
that was for that was like when I was in another show in DC and it was to replace the Ike that was on Broadway. Um, and then they ended up actually moving up his understudy to take that role and filling an understudy track. And then um, auditioned for the tour. The tour was my first like in-person for Ike audition. And uh, that went another way for so many reasons. And then they called me this past January. I hadn't been in for them for a year and a half or something like that, but they called me this past January and asked me if I was still interested. And then, you know, we did the whole negotiation thing for a few months. And then by March, I was signed on and I started in April. That's exciting. That sounds really cool. I can't imagine what it would be like to be an actor and to audition for roles and then get them and then it be for such an amazing production. Um, yeah, that just, it seems like it's huge. Oh, it's great. It's good when you do get them. Uh, there's a lot of no's before there's yeses, you know, and um, this was a blessing because it was one of those things that like I got, you know, when I didn't get it, I, it was, there's a rare occasion that you get like letters from the team praising your work and uh, and like you know people being like I pushed for you and people doing all this type of stuff you know so um okay. this would those situations where I got like heard from a lot of people on the team but it don't matter to me because I didn't get it you know <laughs> people like you know I, I guess you're supposed to chalk up those things and you know be like cool this is really great because that doesn't happen often but this is one of those instances where that did happen and then a year later I was actually called and given that opportunity nice well congratulations what do you think are some of the biggest hurdles that the cast um, had to overcome during rehearsals and preparing to tour, to put the production together? So I actually, I just joined them in April. They've been on tour for a year. So I don't know what their initial rehearsal process looked like. I can't necessarily speak on that. Um, I get to speak on my own. Um, I, can't, I come in everything with a, a strong point of view obviously and uh also just wanting to bring authenticity to like black like 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 the depths of black stories so whether it's a black broken man or a black triumphant brilliant black woman or whatever it is you know the last thing i want to do is make them caricatures and like shells of what these black people are and i think that more often than not our musicals go that way so i came in Loving the story, obviously growing up watching uh, what I've got to do with it and Lawrence Fishburne, you know, and all this stuff, but also doing a lot of research on Ike and the man he was, uh, you know, um, and the genius he was uh, before, you know, he spiraled into the drugs and turned into, you know, this monster that we meet in this story. But um, I came in just with a lot of, a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts of like ways to... Um, kind of carry the backstory and the broken weight of this broken black man like systemically generationally all of these things you know into into the like impetus for the drugs and the control of this and 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 the, uh the like sociopathic activity you know all of those types of things were you know triggered by this 30 year backstory this 40 year backstory that we don't know before all of these other things you know so i just wanted to like to color and round out the role, I think, which actually not only shows a part of like why Tina was there as long as she was, but um, you know, you you get a glimpse into the humanity and the and the genius of the man as well as 
all of the terrible things that we know he did. So when I came in, I was just like, hey, I have these ideas and I would like to, to change these things because, you know, not, not not the words, not the like necessarily the blocking, but like the way that I think some of the story was told or was going around him. I was just interested in, in kind of fleshing that out. And fortunately it was met, uh, it was met pretty openly. And after that, you know, the creative team saw me and uh, I guess, I mean, Katori saw me, you know, the writer and all those things and, and they loved it. So now it's, now it's stuck, but it was a, it was a, it was a cool process. How challenging was it to transform yourself into Ike for the role? Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely, it's always challenging, always challenging to really dive into the depths of humanity of, like I keep saying, like a, a broken Black man, and then have to go to the extremes of doing these like terrible things that there's no excuse for, even though you're building like, like, I don't like, for me, our job as actors, my job is like to find the hurt in like a person and like find my hurt that similarly triggers and try to mesh them so that I can understand this being, you know. Um, and then the same way I dive into some, you know, August Wilson char characters that are, that are that are very flawed and, and uh, systemically and generationally first broken black men, you know, just try to really figure out the depths and the triggers of the why this is like, why, how did they get here? Because we, we meet them in these stories after we meet Ike after he created rock and roll and it was stolen from him. We meet Ike after he watched his father beaten and killed and died in his, his yard. We meet Ike, you know, after he was the only sober one in every band he had and was kicking people out of his bands. We meet Ike after he kicked Jimi Hendrix out of his band. We meet Ike, you know, so like all of these things, you know, when, when you dive into it, it justifies nothing. It justifies absolutely none of the bad things that we know that um, that he did, but it definitely brings an impetus in and a, and some kind of layer of understanding the the brokenness that gets you to the bottom where he comes up out of that bottom and how what he does with that bottom is something that I could never excuse as a man uh especially as a black man when it comes to putting your hands on a on a black woman but um but getting to that bottom and the depths of those bottoms where he was that brought up all those things is, is kind of my job so it's a challenge you know every night and it's something that I always that I continue to work on, but you know I'm happy with it with the job that I've been able to do with it. Well, just with you explaining the backstory just briefly just now, it sounds like it's very complicated, and that really speaks to the human experience. Um, so, my next question is: during the production, can you feel the audience kind of their energetic response while you're wrapped up in this character, or? Do you just feel like, you know, you're there to entertain or like, is it like a transferable energy with the audience? I, that's two things. One, they hate me. Yes. But two, I have no interest, even though I know that that's what like musicals do. And like, especially the black musicals that we've had over the years, and especially with ticket buyers being older white people and white people in general, um, they have this thing that we are there to entertain them. And I have no interest, honestly. I have no, I have no interest in, it's not my job. Uh, and 
if I do my job well, what I believe is my job, then you will definitely leave feeling something and the show will entertain you as a whole, you know? Um, but I, I can't jump into anything that I think they're putting me on stage to like entertain some folks. I just don't believe in the idea and I don't believe in that's how characters are built in, you know, terrible ways. But um, yeah, I have, I mean, it's wild because every night, every night, like if I don't sneak out of the stage tour, um, then somebody just grabs me and tells me that like they hated me and that like they like they loved me but they hated me but you know the cool thing is, like last night I had a conversation with this brother who's doing a show and we're in Seattle right now and this brother came to see me with some other friends of mine and brilliant actor and he sat me down afterwards and he went on this rant about like all of the things he saw from my character that I just told him about and like that for me knowing that that was that has not previously been the trajectory of I think the way this character has been done um just because it's not the way that it's set up and it's not the narrative of like what we you know what we write we don't talk about any of the things before um it's a, it, that that like carries me through like getting those having those conversations is, is is such a blessing I mean it was so specific about the humanity and about the facts and everything and I was just like it was like it was like he watched all of my interviews and then came to me and like spewed everything <laughs> which we know didn't happen so that was really cool but yeah usually it's like you know and then people don't want to clap for you so like oh um, I had the second to last bow after Tina and like occasionally there are some folks in the audience who will roar because they know that it's a performance and they enjoy the performance um, and the acting of it. But most of the time, it's really like people like kind of still in their feelings and they like eh. it's, it's, it's So it's a strange, uh, what I say, it's a thankless role. <laughs> they, uh, you know, um, but I'm not here for them. So that's, that's, that's fine. Uh, I think I'm doing my job, which is good. Um, and I guess that come, that definitely comes with some triggers and some hate. And I understand that, but it's a strange thing that people, yeah, people definitely um, tend to forget that it's a, it's a character and that it's not me. Do you ever get booed? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've gotten booed a few times during bows, which is, the only part, I wouldn't say it's frustrating. It's like, it's kind of like mind blowing. It, it's as like a person who loves films and who loves, you know, acting and who loves whatever. It's like, uh, it, it would be like booing Joaquin Phoenix when he like wins an Oscar for the Joker, but you're not going to do that. I don't, you know, like after the Joker mass murders everybody at the end of that film. Right. But, when people spent the entire film like loving the backstory of this character so it's it's a very it's a strange thing to me and i don't necessarily understand that when it comes to bows sometimes people get hyped up in the audience during the scenes that i'm like you know what i can't i can't follow you and a lot of it is is it's hard some of it's really brutal um but yeah i've had people like say shit in the middle of lines i mean in the middle of scenes like boo or yeah or like no don't do it like all like all types of stuff, everything you can think has happened. Well, it's a compliment to your talent because you're bringing it to life for them. So it's a good thing and a bad thing, I guess. Yeah, I tell them that's what I say every night when somebody meets me at the stage and I'm like, oh, I'm like, I guess because I did my job. <laughs>
<laughs> well, we know that Tina Turner found a way to create an incredible life from a very difficult background. Um, have you had to face any of your own major challenges in the process of building your acting career and your career in entertainment? Well, film, I guess not entertainment. Um, and if so, how did you overcome those? Man, I think, I think first of all, like we are uh, Black folks and America and trying to do anything special is damn near impossible. So I've constantly faced adversity, still face adversity, especially me being the way that I am and speaking the way that I do. It does not, it doesn't bode well with what they want from me. Like, you know, even coming into this role, you know, coming into this role, it's kind of like a, you take this role and they're like, this is what you're going to do. And this is how you're going to speak about it. And this is what, this is, and this is how our narrative works. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know how too much interest in that you know like which a lot of companies and a lot of especially when it comes to music theater and certain things or like you know whatever they're like people people don't necessarily want to deal with so like especially when like uh, i mean you know a lot of these shows that are fully us are ran by fully not us all of them this one lion king uh all the big black ones motown <laughs> I mean, all, you know um this I guess I had a few more of us on their on their creative team, but um, just so that with me being the man that I am, that I am, and that I am becoming, and the like advocate for my people that I like to try and be, and be, I try to learn from my mistakes, you know, my uh, mistakes because I didn't handle all that adversity like too well, you know. I was like the microaggressions, the all of the tempering, the, all of that stuff like just did not sit well with me. Um, and then I got very specific about what kind of roles I wanted to do, what the career trajectory I was going to do, and when I wasn't going to let people silence me in rooms, whether it whether it did not bode well for my career, and you know, at the time, or it didn't. In the long run, things are fortunately working out. But um, but man, I went through some things. I went through a lot of things and said things in rooms that you're not that we aren't allowed to say uh and continue to do so but i know that the work speaks for itself and i know that like if i don't advocate in these rooms then uh it just it's cyclical in the way that that we continue to deal with the same things that i don't want us to have to deal with so um it's constant adversity um and you overcome by like uh perseverance and hard work and uh truth in your vision I've, I, I, I know what my vision is. And now it's not just me, you know, fortunately with the film stuff and with everything else, like I've realized, oh, this vision is needed. Like this vision is needed and people are feeling it. Like people right. feel it. Whether you feel it or not, whether this company wants to feel it or not, there are people who feel me. Exactly. I am, I am, I'm being, I like there are people who, who did need to be represented. Cause for a while I was like, am I on some like high horse that like, like, and I'm crazy, like, I'm not about to change shit, but like, I'm not about to do, like, who do I think, blah, blah, blah. But no, the responses that I get from people, um, from brothers and sisters who, who needed to be advocated for in that way um, is all that matters. So I'm I'm trucking through the adversity still to this day. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Did your, um, did the adversity have anything to do with Black Man Films? And tell me a little bit about uh, Black Man Films. Yeah, the adversity, the adversity at the Black Man Films is almost like a product of me coming up out of these things, you know, and not even coming about because at the end of the day, you know, right now, 
I'm still under whoever's thumb in some kind of way. You know, I can choose to not be. That might mess with my livelihood, which I've done before. Uh, but like, uh, you know, navigating that. But Black Men Films, um, it's still plenty of diversity. I mean, when we did Silent Partner, our first film that we're doing the feature of in December now, um, that was about microaggressions and Black male mental health in the workplace. And like his relationship with his wife, how that, how that, those microaggressions and that that workplace environment was affecting that, um, the the caucasity of the white people that he was working for, you know, all of the things that are happening. And there were, I mean, there were folks who did like. <laughs> I remember there was a white lady who told me I was put in front of some people. I did a play uh, off Broadway. My co-producer. Selma, I met during that play. She was an actress in that play, but she has an extensive business background and does all these things that I could never do. So I grabbed her and she has championed this mission with me. But um, the artistic director of that theater put together like a little dinner for me when I wanted to, this was like during COVID too, like whatever, you know, like do it like at her mansion, you know, with these rich folks because she loved my work and what I was doing. And I remember sitting with this white lady who was ready to give me $15,000, $20,000 on that day. Yeah. Uh, and whatever else she has seen me in the play and then she sat and like told me about how there needed to be a good white character in the film oh wow in lesser words like I told her to kick rocks and that I would like I would shoot the film on my iPhone if I had to before that that being said I ended up raising, raising $70,000 for that film during a pandemic wow. you know raising $75,000 for to speak up we know we're raising a million dollars for silent partner in December you know so like um there's always going to be somebody who tell me who tells me that what I'm doing either doesn't matter, doesn't work, or um, there's not a place for it. But I'm coming out of I'm, I'm I'm coming close to not even to not even needing those channels anymore, which is a blessing. Um, but I know that like we ran into some crazy adversity last week. You know, it just it, it's always going to be something. If it was easy, everybody would have it. And like I've chosen to do this with black man films to do this with my roles to do this with my my gifts uh because i know that i can hold that i know that i can hold that adversity i know that i can hold those rooms and i know that i can deal with the lumps and deal with the nose and and lose a job and lose this or lose what, whatever it may be um and i know that i'm going to be fine i know that i'm going to be better than fine and i know that a lot of the things that happen around me and to me are often just supporting everything that I'm talking about. So it just, you know, it all, like the difference is, you know, now through therapy and growth and like and not giving certain things my energy, I see, I see it and I'm like, cool, you know, cause it always comes back around. A year and a half ago, I knew that I was gonna be talking about that lady in an interview. I hope she sees all the interviews that I talk about her. Yeah. Um, I, I know that there's people who have worked with me who have said certain things that I speak about often in interviews that I put into movies. I hope that they see those things, you know? Um, it's not that the most of them, that their names don't deserve the energy, you know, and the spaces don't deserve that. So I won't even do that. But um, but at those times I had to remind myself that like, cool, remember like five years ago when this happened and you were like, I'm gonna do something about this. And then two years later, you're now you're doing something about it. I saw all these, like, there's no, we don't have black directors on our black scripts. So 
I had a black script and I made sure we had a black director. We didn't have no black females on our sets. So my last movie had all black female department heads. I have like, like, I'm like, I'm just very about getting active about changing everything that I know is wrong. And also having a better product than these other things in doing so. So it's just, you know, it's, it's been a blessing to be some kind of like, you know, some kind of funnel, some kind of light in, into those things, just trying to use the gifts, the stubbornness and the craziness that I do have into like helping, helping us progress. Well, you know, I've heard you say a lot um, about uh, mental health, particularly among Black men, um, as well as, um, you know, just talking about Ike's background and the Ike and Tina dynamic and domestic violence. And October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month as well as Mental Health Awareness Month. So, you know, what you're doing is very relevant. And I think that a lot of times, especially in creative spaces, we tend to question um, whether our contributions are as significant as we start out feeling that they will be or feel that we they are, um, especially when we're dealing with those outside um, influences who make us question it even more or who give that inspiration and that boost when they act like what we're doing is just not that it doesn't have the magnitude that we create it to have. Um, so thank you for your contributions. And I do look forward to seeing more from Black Man Films and uh, more from you, because I think that it's really important for those of us who are creating art to really have a background of caring, you know, about things that impact our community. So thank so, you. Appreciate you so, so much on that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, switching gears back to Tina. What is your favorite part of the musical? Mm, um, <clears throat> my favorite part of the musical to, mm, <laughs> it's funny because I have like, oh my, these are my favorite parts to like perform. And this is like, the most well-written part you know which i think actually kind of coincide like the last the last 20 minutes of the first act i think is a beautiful a beautiful they do a great job of, of intertwining the songs into the music also that part for me is like the the craziest emotional like roller coaster of it all kind of like i fully breaking down to like the whole like the proud mary like this vicious beating that has been one of like the hardest things i've ever had to do on stage um into um her singing i don't want to fight no more and like it's a beautiful it's a beautiful beautiful um piece of theater and it's beautiful to be a part of it seamlessly like transitions through these spaces and like musicals are supposed to why why so many musicals are so bad is because musicals are supposed to you're supposed to start singing because your emotions are so heightened that there's nothing else to do at this point mm. like that's where it's that's where it's supposed to be and and none of these musicals do that at this point yeah it's, oh we're singing because it's a song you know or like some of the really old ones were really like that I was like oh we're singing because it's a musical I can't like that's why people don't like them you know but when it when it seem it when it's almost like you're in the audience and you're like I didn't even realize actually when they stopped mm. you know when they stopped talking and they started singing um so I think Tina has a, a beautiful beautiful strong moment with I don't want to fight no more at the end of the act and I get to do be tender in Ike's kind of like really big breakdown moment and you see um 
you know, it's like after a beating too, and you see him just like break down, which is which um a drum breakdown, an emotional breakdown, you know, all of that stuff. So that leads into that. But those are those that's probably my favorite like 20 minutes span of the show. Yeah. Well, the Tina Turner musical will be playing at the Buell Theater at the Denver Center for Performing Arts from October 18th through 29th. So everyone needs to hurry up and buy their tickets. And I have one final question for you, Roderick. What should audiences be prepared for when they come out to see the show? Prepared for? <laughs> A lot. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a, it is an emotional roller coaster of Black queen's triumphant journey into into stardom you know into everything that she is so i think it's uh super inspirational you know especially by the end um you're gonna hear some phenomenal uh singing and dancing and all that entertainment stuff that you know folks are folks are super excited for but there is an emotional road coaster especially the first act uh, and it's fast and furious. You're going through a lot of years in a very small part, <laughs> a very small time. So there's a lot that happens. But um, yeah, be ready for an, uh, an emotional roller coaster. But definitely to be to leave inspired. Great. Well, I'm inspired to see it. I can't wait. Thank you so much again, Roderick, for uh, talking to me today. And I look forward to seeing you as Ike on stage, and I'll try not to boo. Ah, I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. But if you do, then I won't take it. I won't take it personally. Okay, well, thank you all for joining us with another Spectrum Talk. Take care.